Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs, and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP Practitioner Course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back to The Driven Entrepreneur. It's your host. I'm Matt Browning. Hopefully, if you this is your first time listening, welcome. I'm glad you're in this show. You know, what we do here each and every week is, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're out there hustling, grinding, flowing, making things happen. And I want to bring some inspiring stories and inspiring individuals every single week. Sometimes we talk about sales, sometimes we talk about business, sometimes we talk about mindset, uh, sometimes we talk about lifestyle. And we've had a couple of entrepreneurs, all different types. And this week, we're going to follow a theme. We've had a couple of athletes on the show as of recently. And I want to bring uh, the man that actually has made that possible. And we've been really having an amazing connection uh, through Team USA with the United States Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. And he's on the committee, Mr. Cole McKeel. Uh, Cole has done pretty much everything when it comes to sports. You know, he's the, the Team USA manager for the sport development for the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So he works liaising with, with many of the athletes uh, on a day-to-day -day basis and on a gr uh, grand level as well about what the direction uh, the Olympics are really going when it comes to Team USA. Um, previously, he worked uh, on game day operations for the Denver Broncos, so I want to get into that a little bit with him, and uh, has done quite a bit of work with the bobsled and skeleton teams. Uh, so we're going to have a little chat about our favorite movie, Cool Runnings, and then some. He's currently the VP of Go Empire Group, a sports agency where he represents some of the top athletes and up-and-coming athletes around the world. Cole, are you there? And welcome to the show. I am, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Dude, that is, uh, I, I've been excited to have this, you know, when we first started connecting, we, we chatted for, I don't know, at least a good hour, just getting to know each other. And I really, really, I'm telling my wife about you quite a bit. I'm like, every time I meet one of your guys as well, or guys or gals, it's like, you know, I'm always going downstairs going, honey, I got to tell you all about this interview I just had. Um, you and your team just have such amazing energy. How do you, how do you keep that up? Is it something you got to focus on kind of daily to like, let's get back into it? Or do you like wake up <laughs> energized and positive? Absolutely, man. You know, that's a great question. And it's actually funny when we got off the first time, uh, I think I did the exact same thing with my team. I was very energized and excited. And I think that's just part of it. You know, in this world, if you surround yourself by people that are um, what I always say is passionate, hungry, driven people. You know, people who uh, really want to do good by others. Uh, and I think that that's something that I've been blessed to live in, whether it's with the agency or with the sport, sporting world with Team USA. And, you know, certainly anytime with my office being at the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center, anytime you can come over here and see some of the brightest and best athletes in the world, you know, basically taking their life on hold to live out an Olympic or Paralympic dream or whether it's some of my basketball players that are, you know, grinding around the world to hopefully, you know, make it to the top level, you know, just the inspiration that they bring to me every single day is, you know, passion and, and fuel for my fire. That's awesome. So it's almost this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy where it just kind of continues energize your bunny because of what you're doing. When you were growing up, you know, I know you've been involved in sports in one way or another forever. Um, were you an athletic kid? Did you like play little league and all that stuff? Or is this something you started finding a little later in life? Uh, what was the, the early coal like and how did sports come into your life? Yeah, it's a great question. So I actually grew up in small town Paducah, Kentucky, and I laugh 
small town. Paducah is actually the fourth biggest city in the state of Kentucky. Um, and I say biggest city, uh, it's about 30,000 people. So definitely not a city or even a big city in any stretch of the imagination, but certainly by Kentucky standards, it was. And of course, growing up in Kentucky, basketball was prime, uh, as were pretty much any sport that I could come into contact with. I can remember some of my earliest memories um, traveling with my parents to uh, Murray State University basketball games, you know, and, you know, it'd be the, the dead of winter. And I remember, you know, pleading with my parents to be able to wear my Murray State jersey and my Murray State shorts. And, and the deal was I would have to bundle up. But as soon as I got to the game, it was always this great moment where I got to tear off my jacket, tear off my sweats, you know, and be there in the game uniform for the game. And so, you know, sport was something that was in my life you know, from the very earliest, you know, I played pretty much any sport you could imagine growing up um, competitively in the high school level. I ran car, uh, cross country. I played basketball, baseball, and soccer, most notably. And uh, yeah, so I, I always wanted to be involved in sport in some aspect. My dad um, was my baseball coach my entire life and actually uh, just retired last season as a high school baseball coach. He had been coaching high school since before uh, I came through. So, yeah, absolutely. Sports always been a, a big, big uh, function of my life. And as I've kind of continued into the professional setting, um, I, I can't seem to get away from it, you know. But what I've really realized as I've gotten older is, you know, the power that sport really has, you know. It's not just about what happens between the lines. It's really much bigger and much broader than that. And, you know, working at an international level in sport, as I do right now, um, it's just amazing to see all the barriers that sport can transcend and how it can really bring people together um, for a commonality through the world, you know, regardless of background or religion, you know, culture, you know, whatever sort of diversity is there it really is a, a, a neutralizer. And that's something that has always stood with me and has really inspired and empowered me to do my work and, you know, ultimately try to be the best I can, you know, for the people that I represent. It's the, the great equalizer, isn't it? You know, you, you mentioned your dad's playing or uh, as a um, high school baseball coach. And I asked Reggie, who you introduced me to, and guys, if you haven't checked out um, it should be on demand now. My interview with Reggie Hearn, MBAG Lakers uh, player, um, also one of Cole's clients and good friends. And I, hopefully one of my friends as well. We had a phenomenal interview, but I asked him this question because he said his dad played basketball forever. And I think it's really fascinating to me when you have a parent who's super into something. And I think sometimes as a parent, you know, a parent myself, I have an eight-year-old son. Like there's things I love, I would love for him to love but I also want him to find his own way and find what he loves. Um, so there's this balance of introducing the kids, but not pushing it down their throats. How do you feel? You don't have to like judge your dad on this, but I guess what was the experience of <laughs> dad being really into sports, baseball coach? Do you think that went well and he like introduced you to it and you fell in love with it? Or did you have times when you were kind of like, Hey, do I really love this? Or is this just, is this just what my dad wants me to do? Did that kind of speak to you ever yeah. throughout your life? Absolutely. Without a doubt. And I actually get, get that question quite a bit. Of course, being a coach's son, um, you know, there's a lot of internal pressure that kind of comes with that at times, especially when you're younger and, um, you know, maybe maybe kids are, you know, putting things on you because you are the coach's son. Oh, why is he playing shortstop or why is he batting leadoff? You know, why are, why are some of these things happening? And so ultimately, you know, being younger, you do go through some of those questions internally, but um, it, it's actually funny. My dad will tell you that, um, the one, the one person that I am, I am and was not coachable by was my dad. <laughs> he said, you know, I, I, I am the most coachable person that he's ever met, except when it comes to my relationship with my dad. He knew that, especially once we got to the high school level, that, um, that I was pretty stubborn between the lines and, uh, that I could receive criticism from just about anyone except for him. Um, and so we always kind of laugh on that, but no, whether it's, you know, my dad being my coach or my mom, um, who I get a lot of, uh, a lot of my inspiration from as well, just fascinating people. And I'm very blessed to have, you know, been raised in a family that is such a loving and supportive environment and, uh, and, and support group. 
Um, so I never really felt the pressure necessarily. I think uh, for me, it was always, you know, the pressure that I put on myself to live up to the expectation that I could make them hopefully proud and happy for how I act as a person. Um, you know, that's really, you know, where it came from. And in terms of, you know, sport, you know, my dad and I, our relationship stems around sport. I mean, so it was always a great way for us to become more connected. Uh, we have several lists that we have going on right now. And one of those is to visit all 30 major league baseball parks around the country. And so that's something last summer, uh, we actually went to five parks in six days on the East coast, um, to try and help check off that list. So, you know, that, that kind of is our relationship and surely it's, you know, blossomed to bigger than sport, but it's always been kind of the common ground between us. So I wouldn't necessarily say that there was pressure, um, you know, more than anything, it was just something that because I was around it so much, I really gravitated towards and again, you know, found found my meaning uh, a lot for my personal life through sport. And I love that, that, you know, there's no limit for you there too. I think sometimes we get, we get ourselves niched so much in business or in life about, Oh, I'm this kind of guy. I'm this kind of lady. Like, this is what I have to do. And you're certainly like into sports, but you know, you've been a men's basketball coach, you know, you obviously a ton of basketball and, you know, with your, uh, with your marketing company, your agency, go empire group, you know, it's a full service basketball agency out of Chicago, but then you also serve as, as the game day operations staff for the Denver Broncos. I want to talk about that a little bit. How did the, even the opportunity to work in football and at that high level come about? Did you work your way in through minor leagues or was it like a, one of those chance situations where you got an introduction? How do you come to have anything to do with working with an NFL team? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's this world in general, and it, it's funny. I mean, Matt, we can look just through, you know, the connections that the two of us have already made in the short time that we've known each other. I mean, life, life, especially in sport, but life in general is all about the people that you come in contact with, you know, and that's what I try to share as I'm, you know, talking to the next generation is, you know, always pay it forward, but always try to be very meaningful and genuine with the relationships that you have and the people that you come in contact with, because you never know, you know, how somebody could help your journey, um, you know, along the way. And, and hopefully, you know, as is it, you know, desirable, hopefully that we can do the same for others, you know, and hopefully make their path a little easier the way as well. But in terms of the Bronco situation, so I actually uh, joined Team USA back in 2013. And through uh, a fellow coworker at the time, her name was Lauren Pasquale. She worked in our marketing team at Team USA. And she had been working. She had a good friend who was the director of communications um, with the Denver Broncos at the time. Her name was Rebecca Villanueva. And through that connection, uh, Rebecca was looking for uh, staff, qualified staff, you know, sport for backgrounded people, PR backgrounded people, you know, who were interested in coming up from Colorado Springs to Denver to, you know, work game days for the Broncos. And so, you know, I guess you could just say it was, you know, kind of being in the right place at the right time. You know, Lauren was looking for internal staff that would be willing to help. And, you know, as I try to uh, do with my entire life, I, I really want to make sure that I'm taking advantage of all opportunities that are there. I'm always somebody that wants to try new things and um, just just give it a chance. And so that's what I did with the Broncos. And so I uh, joined uh, with the Broncos for a season, you know, working in the press box on game day operations, you know, dealing with the media, going in the locker room, going sideline for the fourth quarters to get, you know, game quotes and post-game reactions. And it was an amazing experience. You know, of course, during that time, that was the season when Peyton Manning was breaking all the, the passing records. And so to get kind of a front row ticket to seeing one of the greatest quarterbacks, one of the greatest athletes of all time, um, you know, you talk about, you see what's going on with Tom Brady and Drew Brees and, you know, rightfully so those guys have earned their spot at the top of the, the conversation, but uh, no Peyton, question. Manning, you know, Peyton Manning was there with them, right. And he did it for so long through so many injuries 
um, and, and battled through so much adversity. And so it was really inspiring for me to get a to get to see somebody a professional in whatever aspect um, of the world. You know, to be able to to see that front row was just incredible. And unfortunately, through all that you know positive experience, um, I actually didn't go back for the second season. Um, and the next season, they actually won the Super Bowl. So jokes on me, oh. I left the season left the season too short. Uh, but that's okay. You know, I still have you know the experiences, and I'm a positive person. So we're just gonna try and uh, compartmentalize that one out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just pretend that you never missed the game day reaction from Peyton Manning <laughs> after winning the Super Bowl. It's not a big deal, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a big deal at all. In fact, I I actually joke. Um, you know, I, I kind of have always been second place in my life in terms of big sport results. So, um, it's actually been kind of a joke in, in high school, there were uh, several games where we would lose in the championship or, um, at the university of Louisville, uh, I actually left the year before the national championship. I was not affiliated with the team for the national championship at Louisville. So, um, naturally it was fitting that I wasn't there for the year that the Broncos won the Super Bowl as well. Who knows? Maybe I'm the jinx. Maybe I'm the common denominator in all of this. <laughs> you never know, but you know, it's like going back to your positive mindset. I think there's two ways to look at that. Like, you know, sure. There's the gotta be the winner, number one and all that in second place. What does, um, Ricky Bobby say from Talladega nights? If you're yeah, not first, first you're last. last. <laughs> second place, <laughs> first place loser. And, but I think that's a bunch of garbage. Cause you know, you again, look, look at Olympic standards, you know, to be the fourth fastest human in a particular race. You're the fourth fastest human in the entire world of the most elite athletes ever, not to mention all the people who wouldn't even get anywhere near qualifying. And there's not even a medal for it. And if you're third, second, first, like that is you're in the top 1% of the top 1% of the top 1%, no matter what you're competing in. So I think for me, you know, I think we, we give ourselves, no matter what we're competing in, whether it's sport, whether it's business, whether it's, you know, whatever. And in some places, there's not even a, a first, second, third place, you know, but we get that mentality. Um, do you find that, like, that highly competitive nature bleeds into other areas in your life? And this might be a weird question, but I know, you know, you and I have shared a lot about um, our personal faith and faith journey and how important that is, you know, how as a guiding force um, and relationships. Those are areas in life that, genuinely like are not competitive obviously it's it's you and a subjective your own personal relationship with a uh, spouse child parent uh, god etc do you ever find yourself kind of getting into that accidental competitive mode in those areas or is it really easy just to say like i'm just going to get as close as i can i'm going to be the best that i can and that's great i find myself sometimes comparing myself even though i know i shouldn't Tell me kind of what's your mindset for that, if you ever even think about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it, it all kind of ties into being humble, of course, being humble, um, realizing that you can only be the best version of yourself, right? And, and to try and be competitive, of course, but not through a fault, you know? And I was, I was such a competitive person, in fact, uh, one of my best friends that I've known my entire life, you know, there was a group of six of us best friends growing up. Uh, and, you know, we, we grew up together. We went to school together. We went off to college together. We still take, you know, stay in touch to this day. And it was actually funny. My friend, Andrew, uh, who lives in Mississippi right now, um, working in the car industry, we were so competitive with each other that they would have to separate us when we would play you know, backyard football or backyard basketball, because we would get so competitive with each other and the, the fire would fuel the fire, right? It wasn't like by me being more competitive that he would back down or vice versa. And it got to a point, honestly, in my life, and, and I can attribute it, you know, in terms of athletics specifically, there are so many things that I've been through, whether it's personally or professionally, that have humbled me, right? I mean, you know, obviously we've talked about our faith, you know, I think that God has a, a great way of lifting us up, but then, you know, bringing us back to reality, humbling us when we need it, you know, which is for me through my life has been uh, more times than not, <laughs> um, you know, but, but with that being said, 
you're absolutely right. There is always, um, you know, time where you can kind of take a step back and realize, you know, that, that this is not the end of the world, especially when it comes to sport. You know, this is just, um, this is a vehicle that we can utilize our faith, that we can utilize um, the values that we have, you know, in this mortal world, you know, to, to hopefully, as we mentioned before, inspire, bring people together, but also empower us to ultimately become the best people and the best, you know, stewards that we possibly can become. And I'll give you a, a quick story of something that's been, you know, very eye-opening to myself. There's actually somebody that I met um, beginning of last year uh, who has definitely humbled me and definitely put into perspective all the, you know, as we mentioned, the second place finishes or, you know, maybe falling short of my expectations or, you know, being able to be uh, the best person that I can be. Um, her name is actually Valentina Marquet, and she's very close to me. She is a two-time Olympian in the sport of figure skating for Team Italy. Uh, she qualified for two Olympic Games, two, 2014 and 2018, and actually finished fourth place in both games. And you just talked about, you know, the unrealistic expectation that we have to be the winner, we have to be the gold medalist to be successful, you know, and her story has really, you know, showed me that that's simply just not the case. To say that somebody that, you know, misses the medal stand by, you know, a, a tenth of a point or a couple hundredths of a point is not successful when you're the fourth best in the entire world uh, is, is pretty it's pretty unrealistic. You know, it's, it's not fair to to say that. And so, you know, whether it's, you know, the situation with Valentino or, you know, other situations throughout my life, whether it's a client, you know, getting passed over for another opportunity or an injury that happens prematurely, you know, there are always things in place to humble us and to make sure that, you know, we realize that this is much bigger than just winning and losing. But more importantly, this is much bigger than any one of us. This is about um, us living in a world um, where we are not the higher being, you know. And that's uh, something that has been actually very motivating for me to, you know, really just try and enjoy and appreciate every moment that we have, um, you know, in realizing that we can only control what we can control. And a lot of that, as we go back to kind of a positive mentality, a lot of that is our positivity. We can control only uh, the things that we can control. You know, so if we are positive people and we are, um, you know, trying to do uh, the best version of ourselves every single day, then that's all we can be measured by. And that's, uh, that's, that's the mentality I try to take, you know, when it comes to being a competitive person. Such a great answer. Really, really good. I love that. It's sort of like, you know, going for the gold for you is going for the best that you can achieve um, and being grateful and happy about that. And most importantly, you've talked so much about bringing other people up and encouragement. Um, and clearly you prefer, it seems like from your history and, and your sport, uh, you prefer team sports versus individual sports. Am I reading that right? At least that's for your own life. Tell me about your experience with team sports and specifically, yeah. I want to talk about bobsledding as well. I know uh, just before we went to tape, you were um, talking about kind of comparing John Candy's role in the, in the film Cool Runnings. Um, you're actually involved with like the Jamaican bobsled team and, and that storyline. Tell me about kind of how that came together and, you know, the man Howard Sil uh, Siler that you got to sit in the learning tree from, John Candy's character was based on Howard. Um, Give me the story on that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you bring up a great point of, you know, the difference, of course, with myself growing up, you know, in team sports and I guess most notably being uh, a part of the men's basketball team at the University of Louisville, where we had a lot of success, um, of course, worked under a Hall of Fame coach and Rick Pitino and had some amazing experiences, you know, both personally athletically and professionally um, that really propelled me into uh, where I am today. I have so much appreciation and love for Coach Patino um, for taking, you know, a, a, such a young, naive kid and turning him into, 
um, you know, where I am today. But in terms of, you know, what I've learned working with Team USA specifically, you know, where we do have a lot of individual sports, there are team sports, but there are a lot of individual sports as well. And I always get the question, you know, where people think that our athletes are, you know, primarily focused on themselves and that they don't want any sort of, um, you know, to share their successes, to share their failures. Uh, but that's simply just not true. You know, and I see every day at the Olympic and Paralympic Training Center, the, the cool thing about being here in Colorado is that we have, you know, a couple hundred, you know, up to, you know, 500 to 600 athletes here at any time. You know, and the cool thing about it is we say here at Team USA that excellence inspires excellence by bringing athletes together, whether they're individual athletes, such as, you know, a figure skater or a gymnast, um, there's still a lot of team mentality that goes behind it. And leading up to the ultimate, uh, one of the coolest things that I saw in Rio at the 2016 games, if you remember, you saw the Team USA basketball team. You know, these are NBA guys who, you know, don't really need the Olympics to be deemed successful. Um, but yet sure. they're sitting there. They're embracing the whole situation. They were sitting in the stands at Copacabana Beach, cheering on, you know, the beach volleyball team as they were headed towards their gold medal. Um, you know, and it was just it was so inspiring the athletes, especially at that level, really buy into the concept of a team. You know, whether it's Team USA, um, you know, it's, we, we all funnel into this. And that's the cool thing about, you know, the Olympic and Paralympic team in general is that every one of us as Americans can buy into that as well. We don't, we're, we're not just Team USA. If we are, you know, a staff member, if we are a donor, if we are an athlete who gets the chance to put on the Stars and Stripes and represent, you know, his or her country. but we are all part of Team USA because all of those athletes inspire us and they bring together for a commonality, which, you know, in a divisive United States, one way or the other, regardless of how you feel or what politics you believe in, um, it's a great thing to have to, you know, bring us back to reality, to remind us all that, that we're all human beings. We're all Americans. We're all human beings. Um, and we can be inspired. We can be brought together. Um, so that's first and foremost, what I've seen, um, through, you know, kind of my journey of team sports, um, you know, and then ultimately dipping into, you know, team USA, where you do have more individuals, but still very much a team environment. And, you know, to, to kind of bring it full circle, you know, you mentioned, um, my interactions with the bobsled team and, uh, with Ho Howard Seiler in particular, but what was really funny um, I came out here to work for Team USA and I had an opportunity to move over and work specifically with USA Bobsled and Skeleton. I have to ask you, Matt, are you aware with what the sport of skeleton is? I'm so glad that you stopped for that because I was going to interrupt you and say, can you explain the difference between bobsled <laughs> and skeleton? Um, yeah, yeah the only experience actually... I have with, with Olympic bobsled is cool runnings. And I know that you're shaking your head and that's terrible, <laughs> but I've had, <laughs> I've had losers on now because of you, I've had uh, a pentathlon athletes on, and now I want to talk about bobsled skeleton. Why would somebody pick yeah. one of those and what's the difference? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So, um, you'd be happy to know, um, that as a Kentucky boy where we freak out if there are any flurries in the sky. In fact, moving to Colorado was such a, a leather culture shock for me that uh, here I am uh, six and a half years later, still trying to figure out what that white ground that I'm looking at right now. So um, in terms of bobsled and skeleton, bobsled, of course, as you see on Cool Runnings, is essentially a big bathtub that either two people get in or four people get in. Get in. And they go down, they push off at the top as fast as they can. So you need a lot of um, fast, explosive, you know, athletes that carry a lot of weight, um, you know, that can get the right aerodynamics in the sled to be able to make it down an ice chute, um, you know, pulling sometimes four to five G forces um, around hairpin turns going, you know, as high as 90, 93 miles per hour. Um, 
in a giant bathtub, right? And it's the fastest team to the bottom. In the sport of skeleton, uh, your single individual sport where the athlete actually lays on their stomach head first on the same ice track, all right? Essentially think of bobsled as a bathtub. Think of a skeleton sled as a lunch tray, right? So they're essentially laying on a lunch tray after sprinting um, for 40 meters at the very top to uh, same thing, you know, try and get down to the bottom of the track as fast as possible. And of course, a third, you know, version of a sliding sport is luge, where you are feet first on a lunch tray on your back, um, you know, which is actually uh, the fastest of the three and, you know, potentially the most dangerous as well, um, because you are going first. But nonetheless, I uh, had the opportunity to move over to USA Bobsled and Skeleton, um, you know, in 2018, they were coming off of winning six medals on the bobsled and skeleton side. It was the most that Team USA had ever ever won at an Olympic Games for bobsled and skeleton. I mean, it's just a fascinating sport to be in. You see a lot of athletes that, similar to cool running, get a lot of athletes that are transitional. Most of the time, people aren't growing up bobsledding. Uh, we only have two tracks here in the United States, one in Park City, Utah the other in Lake Placid, New York, um, which has actually hosted the games, uh, not just once, but twice. Uh, so you see a lot of athletes that come from track and field, a lot of athletes that come from football, you know, a lot of athletes who, you know, have come from some other sort of sport that shows some of the signs to be able to transition well into bobsled. And so, uh, you know, kind of bringing it full circle, as I mentioned, having the chance to sit down with John Candy's real life in person, um, you know, portrayal, Howard Styler, who was actually the head coach for the Jamaican bobsled team that was depicted in Cool Runnings, was absolutely phenomenal. It was really uh, empowering, inspiring. And in fact, you just saw in 2018 at the Pyeongchang Games, there was actually a Jamaican team represented um, in the Olympic Games, which was fascinating to see. But Howard was someone who, uh, you know, touched the sport in so many ways, of course, with the movie that everyone knows. But at the same time, you know, just doing his best to propel the sport forward and also, you know, give other nations that may not be traditionally cold weather or traditionally, you know, seen as bobsled nations, the opportunity to realize yeah, that there's opportunity out there for anybody that wants to go get it. And that was, I think, what I was most inspired with my time with Howard, who actually uh, passed away shortly after our interview, um, you know, was just that, that sense of, hey, if there's an opportunity out there, go get it. Don't wait for somebody to say, hey, you can do this. Or, you know, don't wait, don't wait for people to say, no, this can't happen. Or though this has never happened. It will never happen. Um, just go get it. And, and that's something that I've carried with me, you know, through my, my agency, my personal work, my professional work, uh, and my spiritual work as well. You know, don't ever settle to think that you know all the answers. In fact, um, there's a great quote that I like to, uh, to, to look at every now and then from Socrates that says, the only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing, right? And that's so powerful as we always continue, as I mentioned, to try to be the best version of ourselves. You know, how do we continue to learn? How do we continue to understand that it's okay that we don't have all the answers? We don't have to pretend to know all the answers. Let's just continue to try and learn to push the, push the limits and to be the best, you know, versions of ourselves that we can be. And, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, that's all we can be judged for. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, when, when you're talking about, I was going to ask you, what lesson did you learn from Howard? But I mean, you basically said it is don't settle, don't give up and don't let someone tell you, no, like don't walk around in your life saying, oh, I'm from Jamaica. How am I ever going to compete in the bobsled? Like, it's not about bobsledding. It's not about skeleton. It's not about where you're from. You know, it, that is the, the reason that I think that film did so well and was so interesting and popular was because it's this principle of, Hey, this is a metaphor for no matter where you're from, no matter what you think your story is, your story isn't always real. And your story from your past doesn't have to dictate your future. 
it's so uh, empowering to be part of that. Before we move on from from kind of this Olympic conversation, I know we're going to keep going there. I want to make sure we plug um, teamusa.com slash donate. If you are relating to this, if you want to be able to support, uh, and no matter what country you're from, you know, Team USA obviously is supporting uh, the American Olympic and Paralympic athletes that go and compete for the USA uh, each and every year at, at the Winter Games and the Summer Games. If you want to help support these athletes, uh, Cole was very cool. I said, what do you want to plug on the show? And you got a book, this, that. He goes, hey, can we just plug, you know, Team USA? And it's teamusa.org slash donate. If you go there, you can donate any amount. It's, uh, is it tax deductible, I believe, I would assume? Don't tell me if, I, if I'm off on that. Yes. Either way, donate that money and you can support sending athletes to training camp, getting athletes to go and represent our country. You know, I just had uh, an amazing interview. You probably just heard this a couple of weeks ago with Sammy Schultz of Pentathlon. Uh, who will be at Tokyo 2020 this year. And Sammy said the, the biggest problem that the athletes face is not actually the training, the regimen, the nutrition, uh, even the time. It's the finance because it costs money to compete in these international uh, games that will build them up to qualify for the Olympics, number one. But two is when you're training that hard, it's, it's a full-time job each and every day. And these athletes, these Olympic hopefuls, there's no way that they'd have the time to have a full-time job and a full-time training regimen. So I'm super excited. I'm donating. I'm in. I want to see more uh, of our team go out there. So anything you want to say about that that I haven't said or correct me on anything? Absolutely, Matt. And, and, and you nailed it. You know, Go to teamusa.org forward slash donate. Um, every, every dollar that you could donate towards Team USA really makes the difference. There's such a, there really is, um, a misconception out there in the United States and in the world as well, that we are this organization that is flush with cash that has all the resources necessary, you know, to provide the best resources to our athletes and to allow them, as I mentioned, to live out their, you know, Paralympic and Olympic dreams. Um, but that's simply not the case. Um, we actually are the only Olympic team in the world. And I'm going to repeat that. Team USA is the only Olympic team in the world that does not receive any money from the federal government. Okay. Think about that. The only team in the world. All right. And to put that even deeper into comparison to relativity, we have majority of our athletes Olympic and Paralympic athletes that live right at or below the poverty level on an annual basis. So no government support, majority of our athletes living right at or below the poverty level on an annual basis. That's the need to donate. Go to teamusa.org forward slash donate and truly be a part of this wonderful team that can make the difference in an athlete's journey. Very, very cool. Um, Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And I didn't know that. I didn't realize that Team USA is the only one not getting that federal government backing. So you're talking about every, like, think of this. We have these Olympic athletes that are going to compete, and every single one of them is up against another athlete from a different country whose government has funded, really, some of them as much as necessary to make sure they get the very best of the best for training and the time and everything. So I love that it feels very... I'm almost bootstrapped, and that is epic. So, um, as we kind of wind down here, Cole, and I know I want to let you go. You got a, a busy day at the at the Team USA offices, Colorado Springs. I want to uh, kind of circle back and talk about your Go Empire Group. I know you're you're a VP and a founding member of the Go Empire Group. It's a sports agency about basketball. What gave you? And this is the entrepreneur part. This is probably going to be of all the favorite parts of this interview. This is going to be one of my favorite parts. What gave you the, the idea of, you know what, I've been in the industry, I've been around this, let's just do it. Let me actually start something. Because I think this, number one, spiritually and financially, beginnings are so important. Um, it's easy to be attacked. It's easy to let any number of thousands of, of uh, issues and obstacles get in the way. So just to start a business of any size, any capacity is a huge miracle. It really is. Um, what was the first idea that lets you think, you know what, maybe I should do this after all. Tell me about that. And, uh, and yeah, what, what was the idea and, and why did you decide to start something? 
Absolutely, Matt. And, and I appreciate you saying that. You know, it, it's funny. My father told me, and in, in, in addition to being a high school baseball coach, uh, and actually the general manager of a college summer league baseball team as well. I, I promise you that I get so much inspiration from my parents because the older that they get, the more they're involved with. My dad, you know, started a college summer league team just four seasons ago. Um, you know, I, I can, <laughs> you know, I have to try and keep up with my mom and my dad. Yeah, I really do. You know, the, the older that they get, the more they're involved with, the more they inspire me to you know, just as Howard did to go out and get whatever I want to do, to live out my dreams and to never, you know, say what if, just, just go and do it. And if you fail, then you learn from your mistakes, you learn from your failures. And so for me, um, when I was younger, my, my, my dad said, um, you know, the best boss that you could possibly have is yourself, you know? And so he uh, actually started, my grandfather started McKeel Equipment Company which is case construction and agricultural equipment. My grandfather started McKeel Equipment Company during the Great Depression. So you talk about, you know, spiritually testing time, financially tested time. You know, the Great Depression, as we all know, was, was not a time when the economy was booming. It was not a time when there was a whole lot of innovation and people going out and trying to start, you know, ventures or, you know, being entrepreneurial. Uh, but there my grandfather was starting the Keel Equipment Company. And uh, he actually uh, passed away uh, several years ago. But back in the 1980s, my dad took over um, a branch of the business, started the construction side, and then my uncle took over the agricultural side. And so for me, you know, seeing, seeing that happen, I'm happy to say that we're actually the oldest family-owned and operated case dealership in the United States, <laughs> which is which is very awesome. And I'm very proud of my family for continuing the legacy. But, um, you know, just seeing the entrepreneurial spirit in my family really gave me the understanding that when I got older, it wasn't a matter of if um, it was going to happen. It was when it was going to happen. You know, I never thought that it would happen so soon. But here I was in uh, 2013 and going through the University of Louisville, being associated with the basketball team. You know, we were introduced to a lot of agents, uh, a lot of people who um, were, you know, privy to the next level. I have a lot of my friends that went on to play in the NBA and play overseas and still are currently doing so, you know, at a very high level. And so I kind of got dragged into the situation, setting meetings you know, meeting with agents, meeting with financial advisors. And that was really my first sense of, hey, you know what? This could be an avenue for you. You know, I uh, was sport administration in college. I had three business minors as well. Uh, but I always thought that I wanted to, you know, kind of get out and do something in the business world. I never, never thought that necessarily I would get into the agency world. But as I was going through the process, um, I had a, a mentor of mine his name is Justin Sherman. He works for Legacy Athlete Management. They're financial advisors uh, for several professional basketball players, as well as horse jockeys. Of course, being in uh, Kentucky, you know, horse racing being a very big thing. Um, and so he was the first person to say, hey, you know what? Like, you're pretty good at this. You ask some good questions. You know, you know what to look for. You're a good judge of character. Have you ever thought about getting into this full time? You know, and I thought back through some of the agencies that I come in contact with and, you know, all the horror stories of, you know, some of my friends being taken advantage of by their representation, you know, and, and I, I said, yeah, you know, I, I think I could, I think I would be interested in this, but I don't really want to work with somebody who's going to make me sacrifice my morals or my ethics or, you know, do some of the things that you're seeing come to light. Um, you know, with the NCAA investigation, the FBI probe that's happening in today's world. And so, I, you know, ultimately, as I've mentioned, you know, my biggest motivation is hopefully being uh, a son that my parents can be proud of and that I can ultimately be proud of myself. And so um, yeah, I started looking around and at the time, uh, my best friend in the whole world, his name uh, was Alex Johnson. Um, he actually just just passed away uh, last March at the age of 30, very unexpectedly. And, um, you know, has definitely been one of those humbling experiences in my personal life. But Alex uh, 
same way. We were basically the exact same person. Uh, we competed our entire lives, and he had actually started with uh, a sports agency based out of uh, Milan, Italy. And so Alex had started in the agency world. And so this, this whole thing kind of came together all at once, and I was seeing him, you know, loving what he was doing, working in the basketball world. And, you know, it just really got me motivated to, to try and get into the world. How could I be a bigger part of the world? And so started looking around and ultimately got connected uh, with my business partner, uh, Eddie Grahoviak, who had just started Go Empire Group um, a season before I joined the agency and was looking for a business partner. And, you know, it was the funniest thing. I always give him a really hard time uh, about this. Um, you know, I, I sent him this really long and nice email, you know, explaining how I wanted to work with the agency and, and, and what my aspirations were and what I wanted to do for myself and for the agency. And um, all he wrote back was, send resume, period. <laughs> and, and here I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what a jerk. Like, you know, here I am. I poured my heart out into you know, basically like the Tom Cruise manifest and Jerry Maguire of how we're going to operate and how we're going to change the world. And all he sends back was send resume. And so I, I ended up sending my resume over. And uh, after taking a look at my resume, he called me immediately. And uh, we just, we were very in line. He's a year older than I am. And um, we, we grew up the same way, very family oriented, um, very focused on our community and wanting to better ourselves and better other people. Uh, and we just really hit it off and we've been together ever since we've been business partners ever since. And, uh, we've really taken what was, you know, uh, a, a very, very startup, uh, professional basketball agency. And we've morphed and developed that into what we feel is much bigger than just a professional basketball agency. We really view it as, um, a client relation, but really a family environment, a family atmosphere that transcends much beyond sport um, and actually deals with, um, you know, all professional services, even beyond once our clients retire. And so um, for me, you know, it was uh, something that I believe, you know, I, I look very baby faced, you know, I probably only started shaving maybe a year and a half ago. That's how, yeah, uh, how old are you, Corey? Are you 14, 15? Uh, <laughs> I actually just turned 30 last year. So a big decade change for me. But, um, you know, again, I, I still get carded. Uh, um, but when I go to R-rated movies, that, that's not trying to be funny. That's accurate. Um, and my business partner, Eddie, is basically the same way. And so, you know, the first I can I can remember the first client that I sat across from with mom and dad. Um, and this client is actually still with me. And being there across the room and, and saying, but believing it because you were so confident in your abilities that, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to take care of your son, right? And, and then going out and doing it, that gave me the, the confidence and it gave me the satisfaction that, hey, you know what? You're not just selling a bag of goods. You can actually do this. And we've been doing it. We've continued to do it um, at a much better and a much bigger level um, ever since. And I'm just so appreciative of the opportunity that I have. Um, to be able to, again, allow these athletes, these amazing athletes, but these amazing people um, that have given us an opportunity uh, to, to go out there and allow them to live out their dreams, whatever that may be, that is something that, whether it's on the Team USA side or whether it's on the agency side, that is the ultimate satisfaction is knowing that you can play even a very small part and helping another person out. Um, and, and that's something that really talked about the first question of what motivates me to get out of bed. How do you keep the energy? That's the energy. And that's the perpetual Olympic flame that we always talk about that eternally burns within me and hopefully transcends people that I deal with to hopefully burn in them as well. Well, Cole, my friend, a uh, phenomenal representative you are of all that you do, not just of uh, of the Team USA, but of Go Empire Group. So guys, check out GoEmpireGroup.com and see what Cole and his partner are up to. Um, pretty phenomenal, you know, just to, um, again, look and see how how sports agency even works. It's, it's fascinating. The closest we got to see if we're not in that space is like Jerry Maguire, but that's 
drastically different. Same time, um, really, really cool what he's doing. And again, I met, you know, Reggie, uh, one of your clients there. And it's great. I mean, you know, you, you watch a guy like that say, my dream is basketball. And then all of a sudden last year, he's playing for the Pistons. Uh, and, you know, he's just cranking and, and doing his thing. Thank you, Cole, for everything. Make sure you also follow Cole at Go Empire Group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, all the social media. You can find them at GoEmpireGroup.com. Cole, I got to let you go. I know we're over time right now, but my last question for you is, in your, in your wise, ancient years of 30, what advice would you give to yourself when you're first starting out Let's call it right after high school. You got your hopes and dreams. What advice would you give to yourself now after over a decade of life experience? Absolutely. You know, that's great. And I, I have several that I look at every, you know, every day. Um, the first that's kind of there is every single year. And I actually learned this from Dr. David Carter, who uh, is a professional development mentor of mine. Uh, I've been going through a class with David for, you know, about a year and a half now. And uh, he told me this, and it's so true. I have it on my computer so that every morning I look at these two note cards and there are two note cards. And the first says, 2020 will be the best year of your life. All right. 2020 will be the best year of your life. And the second says, what will you do to make that happen? And it's just, it feeds totally into the positive mentality. It feeds into you know, controlling what you can control. And he said, he said, I've been doing this for several years now. Every single year, I always write down, you know, whatever year it is will be the best year of your life. And ever since I've been doing that, it's come true. Just the same to say that 2021 next year will be the best year of my life. I know that 2020 will be, will be the best year of my life because I'm going to make it happen. And that's just something that I think is, just a just a different perspective, but it's something that we all have the power to do. Um, let's control what we can control. Let's have a positive outlook on life, and let's ultimately try to become the best versions of ourselves. Well said, Sage Advice. Cole McKeel, Team USA Manager and VP of Go Empire Group, everyone. Thanks so much, Cole. Thanks so much, Matt. Have a good day. You too, man. You too. All right, guys. That's the show for today. I hope this was, again, enjoyable. I've been getting into a little more, you know, bringing guests from all different backgrounds. And I love, you know, if you go back through all of our archives, whether it's a film producer or an actor or a singer or an athlete, all of us have this entrepreneur fire and spirit. It's about being an innovator, a creator, an influencer, a trailblazer. You're out there taking the invisible, making it visible. So that's my, my charge to you this week. Uh, get out there this weekend. Enjoy your weekend, but crush it and take the invisible and make it visible. See you next week. 